Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Good to see all of you this morning. I want to first of all apologize for my voice today. As you can tell, I got a little bit of the Statesboro crud, but that's all, okay? I've been to the doctor, got couple of shots and a bunch of bottles of medicine, so I'm going to be all right, but uh, just want to know if I'm sniffling, coughing, and sneezing, I'll be all right, okay? We're going to get through it, but anyway, glad you're here today. Uh, I want to first of all just thank uh, thanks Tim and Pam for all these beautiful decorations. Let's give them a hand. A lot of work went into this. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Puts us in the Christmas season. What a great song to end on there through it all. That's what we're going to be talking about today with Peace. What a great job our praise band. Dylan not only filled in for me last week, but I had time to learn how to play the drums too, I found out. So good job on that today too. Appreciate that, man of many talents. If you have your Bibles, find Luke chapter 2. We're going to be talking about peace today in this Advent season. Uh, It's good to be back from the Thanksgiving holidays. I think that's what gave me the crud. It was 19 degrees in Alabama and 80 degrees back here in Statesboro. So between all that, my body's been kind of freaking out, I think. But uh, had a great Thanksgiving time with our family. I hope you did too. And uh, But it's good to be back together and getting after things here. And speaking of the holidays, we still have a few more, right? Next Sunday night, you don't want to miss the church edition of Christmas Family Feud. We are going to have a blast. I'm going to do my very best to give the very best Steve Harvey impersonation that I can give as the host of the Church Family Feud. And we've got six new couples that you're going to get to learn a little bit about their personalities and their demeanor through this game. We're going to have a fun time. Don't forget to bring some finger foods, and we'll all enjoy that time of fellowship after that. But I promise you, it is going to be a blast. And what about the outside The uh, painting is almost through. Precision painting has been working hard now for a couple of months, and I think the final walkthrough is tomorrow, and it's looking, looking great. And uh, we also, if you'll keep your fingers crossed, two of our three signs we hope to be installed this week, the big one out by the road and the smaller one over on this side, and then they're still working on the one that'll go in the corner right up above you there in the back. They'll be lit, too. I want to thank uh, Tim and Josh Freeman for getting our foundation for the sign built. Uh, talked to him about it, and in a day and a half, they had it done. You know, I, I couldn't even thought what all I needed to get together to do in a day and a half, and they already had it all out there and done. So great job, guys. And Steve Frawley uh, working on the electrical. It's going to have it all lit up. They, they're doing a great job. And so it's going to be a great, great start to the 2022 20, year to have those two big projects done and, and the church looking looking really really good so today we are in week two of advent on the topic of peace luke chapter two before we get there uh, i want to tell you you've heard me talk about it before i had the uh wonderful opportunity in the early 90s to go on a mission trip to russia right and in order to get there we had to take several airplane uh different airplanes to get there i started out we were living in nashville left from nashville went to New York, all right, and then from New York, we flew to Helsinki, Finland, which was about a 10-hour flight, of which, you know, I'm a little ADDDD or something, I'm something, but anyway, uh, I'm, I'm all over that plane. They had me in the middle seat of the middle row of five for a 10-hour flight, 
And I don't know whose seat I stayed in a whole lot, but it wasn't mine, okay? I was all over that plane. But we went to Helsinki, Finland, had a layover there, and then we flew on into Moscow and eventually the Ukraine where we had 10 days on this mission trip. So while we were in Finland for that layover, I didn't get to see any of the beauty of the country, which I wish we'd have the opportunity to do. All I got to see was the inside of the airport there at Helsinki, Finland. But I found out since that time that Finland has a huge tradition when it comes to Christmas. Christmas is a really big thing there. And so each year they have something that's called the Declaration of Christmas Peace that they read on Christmas Eve every year. They've been doing it since the 1300s. And so at noon on Christmas Eve, they read this declaration in the city of Turku, and they read it over the radio, the TV, and now the Internet. And it serves as a reminder and an encouragement of the Christmas season. And here's how it goes. It says, Tomorrow, God willing, is the graceful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all by advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully. Because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall under aggravating circumstances be guilty and punished according to what the law and statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. Finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all inhabitants of the city. Okay, So it encourages everybody to spend the holiday in harmony and then threatens offenders of a peaceful season with harsh punishments. And then finally it says, everybody have a Merry Christmas. All right, And so today's message is not meant to be threatening in any kind of way, but hopefully it's going to be a reminder of the peace that surrounds this particular time of the year that we call Advent. And if you were with us last week, again, Dylan did a great job in explaining what Advent is because I don't know about you, but until I came to Eastern Heights, I had no idea what Advent was. I mean, I'd heard the word here and there. I mean, I'd even been to seminary and we didn't study about Advent there. And so I don't know where I missed it somewhere along the way. None of the churches we'd ever attended before had celebrated Advent that I knew of. So Advent was a whole new experience for me here at Eastern Heights, and I had no clue what it meant. And so it's good because I realize other people are coming in and you're going, I don't know what Advent means either, but, uh, you know, Dylan did a good job explaining, but if you missed it, just a quick recap, Advent actually means the coming or the arrival. So it's talking about the expectation and this season that's marked by the expectation, the waiting and the anticipation and the longing and that reminder of Jesus coming to earth as God in the flesh. And so it's not just an extension of Christmas. It really is a part of Christmas, both past, present, and future, in that Advent looks back at the celebration of hope that we have in the fact that Christ has come to be with us, but it also looks forward in eager anticipation to Christ coming again to take us all to be home with him in heaven. So for these next four weeks, we're going to focus on those four attributes that Advent stands for, which is hope, peace, joy, and love. So look with me in Luke chapter 2 today as we talk about peace during this season of Advent. Luke chapter 2, we find the Christmas story. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So this is, this is a magnificent event here. It's a huge thing going on. And it says the radiance of heaven is shining. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, because that's who they were expecting. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. 
And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And in verse 15, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried off to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story was astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. You know, birth announcements, if you've noticed, have really changed over the last few years. I can remember back when we were having our first child, Christy, and we were out in Texas going to seminary, finishing up seminary, and we drove, you know, 9, 10, 12 hours, whatever it was, home. seemed like forever, but we drove all the way home to tell our parents in person that they were going to be grandparents. And I forget if we gave them a little book or a little something or another, you know. What's this for? It was to put the pictures of your new grandchild in there. And they were ah! you know, and the angels of heaven rejoiced and all that good stuff. You know, and, and so that's the way we used to do it. We'd tell them in person, right? And if they lived a further away and you couldn't get to them, they at least got a phone call, right? Well, things have kind of escalated over the years, right? I can kind of going back and asked Amanda about this because she's more into that stuff than me. But I said, help me remember. It seems like there's like a cake, you know, you would bake, and the inside of it would be either blue or pink. And so when you cut into it, you, you found out whether you're going to have a boy or a girl. And then it kind of went on from there, and it, it kind of went to the balloons, you know, where you had blue powder or pink powder, and you'd either pop them or you'd even get somebody to shoot a bow and arrow at it, and it would pop, and you'd find out blue or pink. And, you know, and then the sibling would start crying because they wanted the other one, the one that popped, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and then here lately, you know, they've got fireworks now that you fire off at night, and, and when they blow up, it's either blue sparkles or pink sparkles. I mean, things have gotten crazy, right? Well, this past summer, we were down at Shellman's Bluff, and I don't know if you've ever been down there before or not, but uh, there's a sandbar that comes out, you know, when the tide's right. So there are about 100 of us out there on this sandbar, and I mean with no warning whatsoever, did not hear this coming, but this plane all of a sudden came around the corner, and it was just suddenly like the, the, the angel here that appeared to the shepherds. It was on us, all right? And it was really low, like 100, 200 feet off the ground maybe, and, and it was coming fast, and I thought it was crashing. I thought we were all fixing to die because there was this blue smoke coming out of the back of it too, you know, and I thought it was having engine failure, and I thought we were all fixing to die, literally, you know. And so this thing, whoo, it just goes by and just drops blue smoke off. Finally, we realized, you know, after a little bit, everything's fine because the plane just keeps on going, takes on off. It was a gender reveal. I mean, come on. I mean, things are getting pretty crazy out there, right? Well, nothing could top the extravagance of what God did when he announced about the birth of Jesus, right? It says the angel was radiant, okay? And I don't know, they're, they're out there at night, and I don't know if you've ever been out at night, but even with a great full moon like we have sometimes and how bright it gets, I don't know if you can imagine the radiance of an angel showing up and what that was all about. And, and not only that, it says they, that the angel was joined by a vast host, which means there were too many to count. They were called the armies 
of heaven joined this angel to tell these shepherds about the birth of Jesus. And then the Bible says that they were all saying it at one time. And I don't know exactly what the words were. Maybe it was just peace, peace, peace. But, but can, can you imagine the volume alone of the vast armies of heaven and this angel that were saying that Jesus had come to bring peace into the world? I mean, it was a magnificent, magnificent sight fitting for the royalty of that time. But that's not who was there to witness it, right? No, we know the story. It was those shepherds. It was those guys that just hang out with the ordinary animals, just keep the animals, you know, and take care of them. But it was these shepherds that God chose to bring this life-changing announcement to. And so it's another scene of how that God kind of always flips the story on how he does things in the way we would do it, because we would have probably gone about trying to save the world in a little bit different way, right? And so that's just kind of who God is. But it makes you think, I've always wondered, you know, why the shepherds, why them? They were so unsuspecting, they're so unassuming, but maybe it's because shepherds have got, you know, had a lot to do with everything throughout the whole Bible, really. You go all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, the first king of Israel. All these guys were shepherds, and sheep themselves, even though they're lowly animals, they played a huge role in the Jewish times, right? I mean, they used the sacrificial lamb for the, the Passover. It was the blood of this lamb that was the atonement for a person's sins. It was the cost that had to be paid in order for us to be made right with God. And each time it was done, this sacrifice was a reminder of the original Passover, what God had done to set his people free and to rescue them and to lead his people out of Egypt. Well, today we know that the coming of Jesus in person as a baby was to fulfill his identity as the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the entire world and it would do away with ever having to have the animal sacrifices again. He was the ultimate sacrifice. He, he, his blood was the ultimate payment for our sin. His death did away the need for anything else to be done. His resurrection made it possible for us to be fully restored in our relationship with God. And so his life not only made it possible for us to experience the hope that Dylan talked about last week, but for us to experience peace like no other has ever experienced it before. Because, see, without hope, there is no peace. That's why the two tie together. So probably, for, in part at least, for all of those reasons and some more, God sent his angelic messengers to announce the birth of Jesus through these shepherds. I think these shepherds can teach us at least three things today about peace. Number one, the big one, and that is peace comes during our storms. Peace comes during our storms. This peace that Jesus brought by coming into the world. So I want to ask you, How's the start of your Christmas season going? All right? It's kind of kicked up, right? Thanksgiving's over. We, we got the start of Christmas season. So how, how's it going? I, I, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, the words busy come to mind, hectic, frantic. Now, my wife, she, she loves Christmas, bless her heart. She just loves Christmas and everything about it. Me, not so much. All right? It just adds more stress to whatever else was going on. And maybe that's... The way it is for you, it's, uh, all that kind of stuff describes your life during this time of the year. And for some of you, you, go, well, that's my life all year long. It's busy, hectic, and frantic, right? And this just adds more to it, you know. And maybe it's an overloaded schedule during this time of the year that kind of robs you of the peace. Or maybe it's something a little bit more real, like, you know, issues at home, marital family problems. Maybe it's job pressures. Maybe it's 
um, losing a job. You know, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's some other kind of loss. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe you've recently lost a loved one, and this Christmas season is going to be a little bit, you know, more hectic than before, a little bit less peaceful. And so for many of us, peace kind of sounds like it's a long way off. It's a good idea. It's a nice thought for the holidays, you know, but, you know, reality is it's just kind of something we long for and never really seem to find. Matter of fact, I was talking to one of our members this week, and they said, you know what? Uh, during Thanksgiving, my husband and I, we were going to go to the movies. We were just going to enjoy some time together. We were sitting around the house waiting on the movie time, and it was so quiet and peaceful. We looked over at each other and said, you know what? We don't ever get this kind of quiet and peace. Let's just stay home and enjoy this. And so that's exactly what they did. We're all looking for peace, right? You know, uh, we have four grandchildren, a granddaughter, and then three grandsons. Our youngest grandson, his name is Jake, and he's a year and a half old. And we've nicknamed him Big Jake because he's really big for one and a half. Uh, but also we've nicknamed him Cat Five, okay, as in Category Five on the hurricane scale, okay? Because, and maybe that's the way most one-and-a-half-year-old boys are, but, I mean, he really is. He's a cat five right now because he has no concept of walking around anything or stepping over anything. His idea is just to plow right on through it, right? And he thinks he can just plow through anything, so he ends up face-planting, getting, you know, noggins on his head, busting his lip, and bloody noses and every kind of other kind of thing. So we call him Cat Five, you know, but... Uh, you know, we get to watch his life kind of in action even when we're not there through this thing called Snapchat, you know, and, and it's a wonderful thing. We enjoy watching that, but just to forewarn you, if you're not into this yet uh, and you plan on getting into it, to do Snapchat, to watch them, uh, you need a Dramamine and a Xanax, okay, especially if you're watching Cat 5 on them because, I mean, it's wild, it's crazy, it's going around, you're trying to watch it and just get kind of dizzy, but we, we enjoy getting those kind of things. But I asked Amanda, I said, Amanda, I said, was our life ever this crazy? And she said, well, I don't know about yours, but mine sure was, you know. So she reminded me there was that time when it was busy, hectic, and crazy with those little ones too. But you know what? That's exactly where we find Mary and Joseph in this story that we just read. They were doing life, and it was busy, and it was hectic, and then it was frantic. I mean, Mary's pregnant and all that goes along with that. They're traveling to a city to register for the census because they were required to do it, just like we're required by laws and government and other things to get things done and all this kind of stuff. And they were leaving their family and friends and midwives who would have helped out during a time like this kind of thing. And I mean, they had the fear that at least I had when we were having our first child about becoming a parent for the first time. That's hectic, man, thinking about all that. And it's a scary deal, right? When they were going through all this kind of stuff, it was life that they were experiencing. It was hectic, and it was probably anything but peaceful. But, you know, that's exactly where God came into their life, was during the middle of their storm. And that's where we can find peace today, too. God brings peace to us during the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our storms. He's going to always show up for us in our pain, in our fears, in our frustrations, in our confusion, even in our grief that we may be experiencing, in our losses, and certainly in times of uncertainty, God is still with us. That's, that's what Advent's all about, is, is remembering and reflecting and reminding ourselves God is with us. He didn't just come and go and, and, and leave us alone. He is still with us right now. And I don't know what hardship that, you're may, that you may be facing today, but God does. So I want to remind you today that he's here to bring peace 
and calm to whatever situation is going on and encourage you that he will bring you peace during your storm. There's a second thing, though, I think we can learn from the shepherds, too, and it's, it maybe is even a bigger one. That is, the peace that God brought us in Jesus Christ and is with us today is a peace that defies our circumstances. And that's the tough one, peace that defies our circumstances. That's great for you to say, you're thinking. You know, that, that, that sounds nice. But deep down, you're really thinking, you don't know how much my situation hurts. You don't know what kind of pain my situation and my circumstance is causing. So I asked God this week many times to give me direction as to what to say to each of you because I know some of you are facing some very challenging circumstances that really kind of defy explanation. And as I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it, I just could not get away, and I may get emotional like I always do, but uh, I just couldn't get away from the thought of, this Christmas parade in Wisconsin and this guy that just ran people over. And it was bad enough that, you know, the first reports were senior adults that had been killed. And, you know, your, your thought is you want to think, you know, well, at least, you know, they were older and they had lived life and experienced life. You try to kind of explain it away, that circumstance. But then... The report comes in about that eight-year-old boy. That's the age of one of my one of my grandsons. And so, suddenly, point two got really real for me. And I said, "How does the peace that Jesus bring help with that? How does peace defy that circumstance?" How does God's will play a role in that situation? Because we just got through studying about God's will, right? So we understand in part that God's providential will allows for certain tragedies like this. But peace in that circumstance is a struggle, folks. At least it is for me. What about you? And so I have to admit that I had to ask Jesus in advance to help me if I ever had to face that situation with one of my grandchildren. And my prayer would be that I could forgive that person and that I'd be a bigger and better man. And they say you don't ever know how you'll respond to things until you're actually in them. And so I just went ahead and prayed in advance because I knew what I'd instinctively want to do as a grandparent to that person. And so you pray for me too. But what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm sorry, I can't explain away your circumstances. I don't know what you're going through. I can't explain them why. I probably don't know. I probably don't understand what you're going through in your life. I probably don't feel the depth of hurt and pain that you're going through. No one can unless they've been through it themselves. So maybe the best thing I can do is just tell you that I can only imagine how deep it hurts and how painful it is. And that in your particular circumstance, that peace might be indeed very hard to find right now. I, I can get with you on that. But I can also assure you of something else with certainty. And that is our God, who brought peace to this earth through Jesus Christ, he's bigger than my feeble understanding of why these things happen. He's bigger than my understanding of what you're going through. And you know what else? He's bigger than your understanding 
of what you're going through. And so I do believe that God offers us a peace that defies your circumstances, that is bigger and deeper than what your circumstances are, no matter how terrible they may be. And that God offers us a peace that doesn't always make sense, folks, but it is a peace that's real. That is one thing I have discovered through my difficult circumstances. Even when I didn't understand them, when they didn't make sense, I knew his peace was real because it's all I had. And you know what? It is healing when we hurt. That peace can guard us from continuing wounds that if we don't give them over to God, they're just going to continue to fester. But we can give them to God. He can bring peace. And it can protect your mind from that constant anxiety that comes from your circumstances. It's that kind of peace that God offers. Paul explains the process like this. And folks, it is a process. It, it, you don't just flip the switch. It's a process. But here, here's how it happens. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 4, don't miss it. It's important. Always be full of joy in the Lord. During it, whatever your circumstances are. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. That's our hope. That's what Dylan talked about. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, then, then you will experience God's what? Peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. There it is. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So may we all be encouraged today, no matter what we're facing, that this process of peace to find our circumstances, it doesn't begin with God, folks. God is with us already. God is here. God has brought us that peace. But what this process begins with is us acknowledging that peace that God brings and that God gives. It begins with us turning those hurts, those questions, those whys. It's us turning all that stuff over to God, who is the only one that has the answers to begin with, folks. It's, it's turning all of those, those questions that just aren't there with the answers and just letting him help us to work through it. And I'm not going to begin to fully understand it because as I already admitted, I don't have this process down myself, but I do know that there's power in prayer. We've talked about that lately too. And I do know that through prayer, that prayer changes our attitude. And when our attitude begins, becomes one of gratitude, then our view of our circumstances change and we can begin to sense a peace that only God brings us when we can't get understanding. And so I just want you to think of it this way, okay? Think of it this way. If God isn't enough, then what would be? If God isn't enough, then what would be? That's why we need to understand. We need to turn it over to God instead of trying to understand it ourselves or turning to other coping mechanisms. Give it to God. Through the power of prayer, our perspective changes. It really does concern peace. And we can find the peace of God no matter what. You know, as I thought back on this, God was with that eight-year-old boy the other day. God was with that eight-year-old's parents, grandparents, and friends. 
And through a lot, and I mean a lot of prayer, we can acknowledge and come to a place of accepting that God's got this. God's got this situation. He can be trusted, and you know what? Even in this terrible circumstance, God is enough. God is enough, because if not, what else is there? Peace comes during our storms. Peace defies our circumstances, but peace is also demonstrated in a person. It all comes back to a person because peace is a person. Peace is Jesus. For Christ himself has brought peace to us, Paul said in Ephesians 2, verse 14. See, the people that day, they were looking for a political Messiah. You know what? Peace on earth, politically, that'd be great right now. But Jesus, coming as a baby and coming to this earth, he brought us peace that has far more reaching implications than what politics can bring us. The child that's given us in Christ, he is the bringer of peace between us and God. He is the sacrificial lamb. He is the giver of life. He is the embodiment of peace. Jesus is the one who is come to us. Present tense. He is come to us and he is with us now. And he offers us this invitation at this season of Advent in Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28, he says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. Is that not an offer of peace, folks? I want you just to kind of let that wash over you for a little bit today. What Jesus can do. So as this second week of Advent, let's talk about peace. I want to invite you to turn to the Prince of Peace in the midst of your storms, your circumstances, whatever you've got going on, whatever struggles you've got. Because this week, see, people in the world around us, they need to see a real kind of peace. Not, not the kind of peace the world is after, not the kind of peace that the world is trying to offer, but the real kind of peace that only Jesus can bring that defies all of our circumstances that comes in a person. But see, Jesus came, right, as that person of peace. He showed us what it was to live in peace and to have peace. But you know what? Jesus is no longer here, right? Jesus went to heaven to prepare a place for all of us who will believe in that kind of peace and live out that kind of peace. So guess what? We are the embodiment of peace now. You and I are the ones that will bring peace to those around us wherever we go this week. In the world out there, they are looking for that same kind of peace that Jesus brought. But the only way they're going to see it is through you and I. So let's be the embodiment of peace to others this week, regardless of our circumstances. Matter of fact, that's when they're going to see Jesus the most, is when we respond so differently from the world. I want to leave you with this thought today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.